All right. <laughs> Hi, Christine. Hi there. <laughs> Leslie, good to see you again. Yeah, really good to see you too. And I'm um, glad to be able to have the chance to catch up with you and kind of talk again today. Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah so I, I wanted to ask you, I, I had, I've occasionally students reach out to me actually uh, for a while I was getting them very frequently started to get a few, yeah. uh, fewer now, but I still get students yeah. in counseling programs reaching out to me. And I have one that I'm, um, scheduled to talk with later today. And this made me think, I, I want to get Christine's take on this. I think people want to know, what do I, what do I think about what they should do in these programs? And I think, well, that's really personal. It's really individual. I know what I think I wanted to do and what I chose to do, but I don't know how to, I don't really have any guidance for someone else. It's up, it's up to each individual to make their choices. But one thing that I keep coming back to is in order to go through a counseling program right now, it's kind of like running this gauntlet of ideology that's really replaced a lot of what you would want to be imparted to counselors in their training. Yes. And it's so it feels really traumatizing to go through that. And it doesn't feel like we necessarily should have to put up with that in order to come out the other end and get a profession. Why should you have to go through that psychological abuse in order to come out and be able to get licensed into a profession? And yet there's still valuable information being taught and valuable skills being taught. And you can't just throw it all away and throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, just, you know, skip the training and go call yourself a coach. If you want to do it, you can't do that either. It's, you know, so I'm, you see what I mean? It's just feels like a very fraught situation. And and I wonder what are your thoughts about this as someone who um, has, has made a career teaching counselors? Yes. Well, I think this is just such the like most perfect timing that this came up or that we're talking about this today, because as I mentioned to you earlier, I was, you know, I had a death in the family and I was, um, with some folks that I don't know very well. It was on my, um, you know, husband's side of the family mm-hmm. and they asked me what I do for a living. And it was kind of difficult because I'm not really practicing as a therapist at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of leads to why am I not? Mm-hmm. And why am I not teaching? So it's like this bizarre space of what is it that I'm actually doing right now? What is my job? What is, you know, even if I'm just volunteering or whatever, what is it that I'm actually doing? It's so hard to describe because it does open up this sort of massive can of worms with groups that may not be aware of the infiltration and the depth of the infiltration that's happened. Mm -hmm. So I am trying to find my way in reestablishing or gaining some sort of footing or some ground in what I am going to do going forward. I mean, I absolutely love the field. And I think in a lot of ways I had built up some resentments, which I'm working through because I feel that that was taken away from Mm me uh, Mm -hmm. in a Mm -hmm. sense and that I can go and speak out all day long, but I am not a huge policy decision maker. I'm not a lawmaker. The most I can do is provide awareness or provide information if it's sought out or if 
somehow, you know, somebody puts me in touch with someone who wants it and I'm happy to do that. Um, but I don't really have a good answer for that because I just, you know, I, I, I don't know what, you know, it's sort of like thinking about revisiting seeing clients again, mm-hmm. you know, somebody told me yesterday at this event that the, that he went to a therapist recently and the therapist was, um, you know, I, he'd been seeing her for a while, but anyway, some stuff was going on with some things with his, you know, profession and the therapist kind of said, you know, started talking, talking to him in a, in a way that was very clear. Okay. And, and, and he, this, this client, this friend of ours, okay. Mm-hmm. He's not somebody that's, you know, well-versed in psychology. He's, mm-hmm. he's not, he's, he's not well-versed in the field or anything like that. Okay. He's, you know, just a lay person uh, when it comes to this. So he's with this therapist and she ends up saying something about, you know, the real issue it sounds to her is the struggle he's having like with his privilege or oh wow <laughs> like you know you know well you're you know that sounds very much like somebody who's been privileged and how do you think your privilege hmm. as you know a white male has influenced x y and z and he said he was just so put off that he stopped hmm. seeing her hmm. and you know the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh. Okay. I have, I have a, a magazine, um, uh, article freelance magazine writer who I want to put you in touch with, who's looking for patients and, um, and clients, whichever, uh, whichever mm-hmm. way you call it, uh, that, that are having problems with woke ish, or, you know, let's just say critical social justice. I'll kind of keep it there. Mm-hmm. Um, minded therapists, uh, they're not hearing from clients yet. There's a mm-hmm. lot of the professional pieces are coming out. It's the right. clients that they want to hear from. And this is a perfect example of somebody who really just didn't really know anything about this stuff, but it was so apparent because the ideology was brought right into the room front and center. It's almost a grooming in a sense wow. of, 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 of that for him to sit and say to me, somebody again, who, who just really doesn't touch or know much about this. He sort of checked out, you know, he's in a different, you know, whatever social circle even, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, to say that, that this came up and because of that and her, her political leanings, which were very clear in the room, he felt he was getting, um, biased information or biased responses rather than Mm -hmm, unbiased. mm -hmm. It was that clear. So this is just, then goes to prove. Yeah exactly what I said when I yeah. first left two years ago, which is, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back here, but a prediction I made, which is, was a very clear, a clear conclusion with facts. I mean, this isn't, mm-hmm. you know, like I magically, you know, I'm clairvoyant here. I mean, we're talking about, I had said the way that these students are learning, this is going to impact and influence the way that they practice and they're going to harm clients. There you go. Mm-hmm. It's not two years later mm-hmm. that casually at, mm-hmm. you know, a, an event for a de- you know, a memorial for somebody in the family who died casually, this comes up and mm-hmm. there it is. And then mm-hmm. I wonder how many more people are feeling that way who are clients that I haven't met. So, yeah. So this is just coming out unsolicited yes. a, from yes. someone in a random circumstance and you're hearing about yeah. how it's souring people on their yeah. therapy experiences. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I just, so, you know, it, 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 so I don't, I don't know that you can get through and that's the struggle, right? Because Mm -hmm. the struggle is, do you get through the program? Mm -hmm. 
and try to keep that out as much as possible and take what you like and leave the rest. Can mm -hmm. you do that? Is it possible? Or does it infiltrate to a point that you almost kind of have to buy it a little to yeah. get through it? I, I don't, because you won't That's pass a really your classes good question. either. That's a right. good point. Yeah. You know, when the teachers or the professors are assessing mm -hmm. whether you have that critical lens, okay then that's something you have to demonstrate, which means mm -hmm. you either go against your own values and principles and sort of, sort of do what you think they want to hear and then do your own thing later mm -hmm. or you change course. I mean, what are the other options? I don't know because I don't even know what the other options are for me at this point in my life. I mean, I'm involved with some of these things as we were talking about, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but can I go back to practice? I don't know. I don't know what the clients would be like at this time. Um, or how, I, I don't know, actually, maybe that would be great. I don't know. I feel compelled, um, to keep speaking out. I feel compelled to keep putting this stuff front and center, mm -hmm. but what is it exactly I'm doing as a living? I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm a public speaker. I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't even know yeah. that I'm an educator, not, not formally. So that's something I thought about. And what, what, what also came up by the way is, mm -hmm. um, somebody who I was talking to, I think, I don't remember which day, but, oh yes. Um, I don't remember. I'm doing another podcast. I think a couple of days with somebody that found me through the CTA network. Um, and anyway, this, you know, kind of topic came up of, can you use your position? So me as a non-white woman, mm. can I use my position where I'm being empowered, uh, by these agendas and ideologies and critical social, can I use that mm. and then influence how I teach class so that mm. I can be woke or D critical social justice-ify the mm -hmm. classroom, right? So, so basically anyone, go in as like a, you know, a, a counter, like a counter. do some subversion, but like yes. on the sly in these classes. Yes. Okay. Subversion on the yeah. sly. Mm. That's the perfect way to put it. Mm. And it was interesting because as we were sort of talking this through, I said, you know, that is where the problem is though, because then in order to in order for, for, for me to be able to be heard, heard and, or those things to be heard, they have mm -hmm. to be heard from somebody, um, who doesn't, you know, fit the, the, this profile of the oppressor group. Mm -hmm. Is that ethical that I'm, that I would be using that mm -hmm. yeah, it's on its ear, mm -hmm. you know, and actually it was, it was a podcast guest. I'm sorry. It was, a that's now I remember who it was. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, he, he's, you know, we were interviewing him. He was one of the writers. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, for the book and, mm -hmm. um, you know, him pointing that out, it, it, it was something that I had, you know, talked, thought about for some time, maybe I'm just going to be, I can use this and be that voice so that right. when you're in my class, we can get rid of it. And when you're, you know, in your other classes, I can't control that. Mm -hmm. So, but at the same time, it was almost using the weapon in, uh, to actually do the same thing, but on the reverse, just the whole right principle of it well like, and you'd also getting you'd be, rid of tyrants you don't want to become one yeah exactly become one in order to fight them yes and it's the same thing as what know. you were saying about going through school if you go through the program and you have to give so much lip service to it are you really coming out of it still with your integrity intact and so yes. if you were to go into teaching again and use that as your sort of your 
your disguise in order to subvert, you'd have to give it so much lip service in order to get to that point. And that's exactly right. So would you really feel like your integrity was intact? Right. Mm -hmm. That's the issue. So I don't have a good answer for folks that are starting off because we're a long way away. I mean, you know, there's some movement that's being made. I was speaking to somebody earlier who's a, um, who's a social worker and I worked with him in the past and he was talking about, you know, the introduction of some of these ideas that children may not be gender dysphoric at the age of five. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's too young to diagnose. Maybe we need to return to a different way of, of talking about that. So that was hopeful, but I don't know that those bright spots of hope here and there where some of these conversations are starting to happen are enough to move to move the, um, the, the, the pendulum in some reasonable way. I I don't see that being possible in the next, you know, short period of time. I I, I think this is going to take years. I I don't want to sound pessimistic, but Mm -hmm. I think it's going to take years of pushback, but not even pushback. It's actually really creating a parallel. I just go back to what you first said, Leslie, a long time ago Mm -hmm. about, you know, a parallel profession in Mm -hmm. a sense um you know yeah I mean it seems like that I could see there's this like you're saying this kind of slow return like this really slow gradual sort of thing shift that would have to happen in order to get back and it would take a long time or there's going to have to be something dramatic that changes and we have enough of a pushback and enough of a buzz in this profession to really get some some swift accountability from like the accrediting organizations would have to take a a strong stand on this. Yes. And and I don't know if I really see that happening since that's where this rhetoric is coming from right now. Exactly. Right. But um, I do feel like the, the quandary really, and uh, you know, where, where, where I personally experienced it was I was trying to go through, I did recognize this stuff really early on, but I valued the degree that I was going to get and the licensure that I was going to, to apply for and I, a career that I thought I was going to track my, my way into through doing this work. And I valued that so much that I was yes. willing to just keep plugging away and trying to just carefully choose my words so that I wasn't too untrue to myself when I was having to, like you're saying, you know, you have to prove this cultural competence stuff. And I would try to frame it in a way that I could agree with, but sometimes it felt like I was walking a tightrope and then push finally came to shove with this, uh, civility pledge. And and they pushed me to a point where I was like, okay, I, I can't do this and not violate my conscience at this point, because I, and there had been too many times where I'd come too close to violating my own conscience. And so I feel like there's probably a, there's a probably quite a spectrum of people going into these programs. There's some people who are like fully on board with yes the social justice stuff and even pushing it farther. Like you talked about in your classes, you had students who pushed yes. you further down that yes route, right? Yes. So I you did. got s- students that are gung ho for it and, and all about it. And then you've got students who are where somewhere in the middle and then students all the way on the other end who are able to say, no, I recognize this and I don't agree with this. Yes. And so you're, what you're churning out then for people who complete the program 
are people who are either even more emboldened in their social justice perspective yes. or people who have been somewhat compromised in their own yes. integrity, you know? And so, that's problematic yeah. on both sides. Yeah. yeah. So the ideologues should not be in this profession. And at the same time, people that are compromising integrity shouldn't either in order to get through it. Right. Like, and it seems like you have to then recover. Yeah. Like there's yes. a recovery period. What do you yes. do in order to, yes. and I'm, I feel like that's a lot of the people I've met through CTA are people who were, were recent students and are new professionals and they're yes. kind of grappling with what their own experience was in going through these programs and working on recovering and, and finding solid, you know, footing again, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, and I think I, I told, I mean, I, I completely agree. And I think the other you know, issue, you know, is that, you know, you don't just get your degree and, and that's it. You go on and you practice and you can do your own thing. Then you're under supervision, mm -hmm. right? So you're on, under supervision. So now you're dealing with the clinical supervisors who are going to, you know, provide guidance or supervision. That's going to lean in a direction. I mean, as it is supervisors, clinical supervisors have, or, you know, clinical orientations generally, mm -hmm. you know, the more eclectic now a days, but, you know, even if they have a very clear, clearly defined, you know, modality or mm -hmm. orientation, they're still injecting social justice, critical social justice into the supervising treatment of the clients that these newly graduated, you know, students are, are, are facing. So it's mm -hmm. multi, it, it's like just another level mm -hmm. of where you have to kind of battle that, the um, pressure, the pressure. Mm -hmm. And that's on the evaluations now for clinical supervisors is do it, d does this trainee, does this intern, mm -hmm. you know, understand or, or show cult culture competency or social justice is practices, social justice, whatever, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, principles mm -hmm. and values. Okay. So there's that level. Then the next level above that then is then the testing, right. To get licensed mm -hmm. because a lot of now, so now you have to take a law and ethics test for, for me, you know, back in my day, we didn't have that. I escaped mm. it. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we had you no know, multiple choices in case study, but it wasn't the same. Now those ethics and laws are going, the tests are going to, in my, my, my prediction here, incorporate mm. what camped and our other, um, ethics boards in, you know, other States and, you know, et cetera, our ethics boards, though, those tests are going to incorporate components of what the ethics board says is mm. the ethical way, ethical way to practice. And you're going to have to know that and learn it. And then again, get through that part of it. So you're going to have um, to attest to it both not just throughout the entire school program, but also during supervision. And then also just in order to get the license, get the you're license. going to have to sign your little social justice yes. pledges again. Yes. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be, do you know, do you have, it, does somebody have kind of the where, wherewithal to kind mm -hmm. of go with it mm -hmm. just for the sake of getting through all the way to that point and practice how you like, I do believe that you can be, you, you, you can change though. I mean, I think, you know, for me, I, 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 I think I saw a dangerous point where I could, where I could have morphed into what I didn't want to be, even if mm. I didn't align with it and just tried to look the other way or do something different. There comes a point in time where I don't, I don't know how 
I don't know how sustainable it would have been for me to do that mm -hmm. for all those years for, from being a student all the way through licensure. It's a long time. I mean, it took me yeah. six years to finish. So when you say you could have morphed into something you don't want to be, what do you mean by that? Would you have started to uh, just adhere to the rhetoric? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's so, you know, when you're, you're, there's so much coming at you all the time. I mean, even with the textbooks, you know, and I know you, you've talked about this a little mm -hmm. bit with videos mm -hmm. on like the required text. Well, you know, the required texts get updated. We have a lot of say, you know, as instructors on the mm -hmm. kind of text, you know, that, we, that we, that we present, but you know, again, that component, you know, that's in the rubric and in the required mm -hmm. syllabus has to have this kind of diversity piece. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these works of, you know, of, of, um, you know, uh, theorists of, of the past, you know, who've done great work, a lot of their stuff has been taken and diversified. <laughs> They've injected the whatever, you know, mm -hmm. critical social justice, insert here, whatever word you want to use mm -hmm. in, into it to mm. create these kind of new textbooks that wow. refer to the original author. So they, uh, they actually take, but they have editing rights for these classic, are you well, saying like these foundational here, uh, writers? Wait, so they so edit them? They okay. Yeah, okay. So here's what they do. They'll, okay. This is, I, I'll tell you this from the family systems class. Cause that okay. one is probably the most clearly done uh, and overt, I would say. So they'll take the family systems theory book, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the whole class and family systems one is what I taught. I didn't teach the advanced. I taught the intro. Mm -hmm. So you have all the different theor theor you know, theorists um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, mothers and fathers of sorry, company in the back. <laughs> Anyhow, I think we're all used to this. In yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so they would take the, that, the, the theory and the model and you learn it and, and they teach you and the whole thing. And they would of course give the, you know, rights to the, the original, you know, creators and inventors mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, authors, then they would have their own take that mm. they would put as part two of that okay. same chapter. Mm -hmm where then they would say, okay, how do we insert diversity? Oh my gosh. How do okay. we now create, right? From now you have the structure. Mm. Now we're going to build and we're going to add this other layer because mm. now we know more as we've mm. moved through that, that, and we understand the importance and significance. I mean, that's the thing too, the buy-in of the, 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 the buy-in mm. is so prevalent, you know, because the therapists are going to be more open to that. We're just by nature, what we do going to want to watch the evolution of other human beings mm -hmm. and you know society and relationships it's what we do I mean, our, mm -hmm. our our work is relationships and you know how we you know see people relating to their own world and environment and and i and that's how they would do it in these so anyway so that mm -hmm. textbook is how that's one example of a way that they do it okay so so it's just like an addendum really it's an addendum mm -hmm. so you know you so there's nothing plagiarizing about it at all it's an addendum yeah. there are they're giving credit for the original so that's what that book looked like mm -hmm. so that book the year before or two years before that the first second edition no but by the time we were at edition whatever it was when I was mm -hmm. teaching the class that's mm -hmm. what had happened is that that edition had inserted um after each model in practice applying social justice you know theories or concepts how does that impact the implementation of this type of treatment how would you implement the treatment 
incorporating those components. Yikes. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. where it's hard to get away. So Again, it's just it's easy to in get everything. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. even as an instructor, if we're going to be reviewing, you know, and I used to kind of, I mean, I had a lot of different ways that I would teach the class with this one in particular, because family therapy is kind of, it's complicated to teach. It's complicated mm-hmm. to do. It's so one of my favorite things to study in school. It, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's so much fun. That's like mm-hmm. one of the parts of when I it was so eye opening to me, just oh, so, yeah. so interesting. It really is. It's, it, it's, it's eye opening. It's interesting. You can understand kind of how we play out our own family dynamics mm-hmm. in the different social or work environments we're in all of our different communities. We, we belong to that, that type of thing. It's incredible. But, um, you know, so, so those pieces of the, the chapter or of the model had to kind of be taught too. Mm-hmm. So there needed to be, um, on my end, a little buy-in now, what, what did I do? Okay. Well, I shook it up and said, forget all that. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to now study the case of, and again, I cannot remember who was in this, but that there was a movie that came out in 2016 or something like that mm-hmm. about a gay kid going to conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. And it was his true story. And okay. it was, I think it was, it was, um, Nicole Kidman played the mom and Russell mm. Crowe played the dad. It, it, it's okay. Middle, yeah. It's, it, I don't think. Yeah. So I, I kind of then turned it a bit on its heel by doing that uh, to try to say, okay, let's get away from it. You know, I kind of went the opposite way and said, how would you work with this family? Mm-hmm. How do you find, find a point of compassion for the dad? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like Is um, the dad a rejecting dad in this. Yes. The dad, yes. Oh, so, so that's interesting. Cause that, yes. that's, that's a really, um, Yes. I think that's where one of the most glaring inconsistencies in this whole thing really lies is that we're, you know, you're not, you're, you're actually, the compassion is being trained out of you for certain types of people. Yes. It's being trained out. Yeah. It's actively being trained out of counselors for certain groups, like when they would refer to the Trump supporter or whatever it might be, the, 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 the one that's supposed to be vilified. And in this case, it would be the father of the yes. rejecting the child. So you're, you're trying to say, okay, well, how do you connect to this person to help yes. them improve communications within their yes. family system? Exactly. Like you still have to see him as a person. You still have to see him as a person. So, mm-hmm. so that was my way of kind of getting out of that, that, that piece that's, well, that's telling really interesting. you, you know, if you don't, so, you know, we need to vilify the dad. So yeah. The way I approached it is like, okay, listen, okay, let's look at the dad for a minute. The dad's very Christian. Okay. That's mm-hmm. fine. The dad believes his core belief is that you're going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. So his way of showing you love mm-hmm. is to protect you from hell. I mean, right. ultimately that's what it was. I mean, it came out later, actually, the, the guy who wrote the, 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 it was based on a true story, the true story. He talked about his relationship with his father and what ended up happening even long after the movie ended. But you know, the movie only, only, only captured a point in time, but mm-hmm. let's start with the assumption that this dad loves his child. Okay. So he's so much, so believes in whatever these values and beliefs of his are, whether you agree or don't, mm-hmm. that his child's going to go to hell. So in his way, him trying to kind of push conversion therapy mm-hmm. was actually what he believed to be loving mm-hmm. to assure that his child would get a place in heaven. Mm-hmm. So if we can drop everything and start from that place that the father actually does love his son he mm-hmm. fears for his soul okay do we think it's ridiculous yes okay of course you know mm-hmm. i mean it's mm-hmm. it's 
nuts, but <laughs> dad doesn't believe it's nuts. Mm -hmm. And if you want to make a relationship with the dad and keep that family coming back, you can't make dad feel nuts. You have to be able to step in his shoes for a moment yeah. and say, wait a minute. I don't think that he's evil. Right. I think that he loves his kid. And he, this is what he knows. Mm -hmm. And this is what he thinks is going to be best for his kid. So now that we have that, mm -hmm. we've already started from compassion and we've already started from a shared humanity connection point. Now we don't have to vilify him. Now that we don't have to vilify him, we can actually work with him, right? Wow. And the family. It's a, it's so, it's amazing that that feels so refreshing to hear because that sounds like what, I mean, that it really sounds like what you should be doing in therapy is helping people to draw connection yeah. and find their shared value and, and yes. understand one another's core yes. motivations. And so, but it's, and I'm hearing more and more about people being advised by therapists to quote, go no contact with toxic family members. And yes, so there's that, like, they are doing that. What is, and that, how can you talk so, a little bit about that? Like what, how did that, how does that make any sense? I mean, I can see situations where that would make sense, unfortunately, but it feels like it's more reactionary right now. Yeah, it is because if the narrative that's sort of running is so self-righteous and mm -hmm. it's so, you know, kind of just, uh, you know, uh, narcissistic and it's just, uh, you know, and it's, it, it, it's, it's essence is very narcissistic and very righteous. You know, mm -hmm. there's always going to be mm -hmm. an answer and that this is the case. It's a closed loop, you know, thinking type mm -hmm. of thing. I think the problem is that because it is that way, and the belief is that you're just wrong. There's no other way you can believe and actually be human. Mm -hmm. You actually cannot have compassion if you think like that. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you can do if you want to be you know, around people or loved by people who align with your values is to cut off the ones who don't. I mean, look, I, I'll give you this kind of personal, but maybe not so connected, but kind of connected example. My, my father mm -hmm. has Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and- you know, he'll write me these text messages about, Hey, you know, can you change, you know, next time you come, we need to wash the sheets. Okay. Well, we just washed the sheets yesterday and mm -hmm. yes, we'll do it again. Mm -hmm. And then I'll get a text message the next day going, we need to change the sheets. I, I don't, we didn't do that when you were here, but, but we did. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so I have a couple of choices. I can argue with a man who, who has this illness that is debilitating and mm -hmm. impacts his way of thinking, piss myself off, not want to see him and say, forget it. You know, mm -hmm. you're driving me up a wall mm -hmm. or I can say, this is an ill person. He's mm -hmm. doing the best he can. This is all, you know, all, all he's got. Let me just let me just give him the benefit of the doubt and let him have that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me not fight it. Let me not fight my point. Mm -hmm. Now it may not seem to be related because Alzheimer's, you know, the different kind of an illness, but the idea of not fighting a point mm -hmm. or pushing back on a point and accepting, you know, for who mm -hmm. they are, what they are mm -hmm. and drawing a boundary around that, mm -hmm. you know, is much more effective in your own, I think, you know, inner kind of place of, of existing and in your relationship to that person that mm -hmm. is what's being completely sort of dismissed it's well, almost it's, like it's being able to say i love you more than i care about being right yes and you know who said that once by the way 
just can't stand Dr. Phil. I mean, oh, really? I can't stand the guy, but ages ago, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. You know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe I, I watched an episode where he said that do you want to be right or do you want to be happy or love? Mm. That's, that's, you know, and that, that's exactly what, you know, you're, you're talking about. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. it, it's, the reason that, you know, for me, the Alzheimer's, why I compare that is because there's nothing I'm going to be able to do with that. Mm-hmm. That is going to get worse even and and with time. So, I mean, there's just not, so we're talking about the strictest kind of wall and barrier possible. There's no opportunity to learn mm-hmm. something different, right? Mm-hmm. So in these other cases, maybe there's an opportunity to learn something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, maybe to some extent, you know, that's comfortable and maybe, and maybe not, but at the end of the day, you know, what's it worth to you? You're either going to fight and say no and cut off and have all sorts of internal turmoil and damage. And I mean, I could tell you stories about my own choices that were disastrous based on that kind of thinking, Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. you know, you can find that, that bit of compassion. My dad's Alzheimer's. Okay. I can find the bit of compassion Mm -hmm. because he's ill, Mm -hmm. find that bit of compassion that that's how that person thinks I'm not going to change their mind. So now what do I do with that? Right. Cut off. Or, you know, manage the relationship with boundaries. Why that is not something that's being talked about more now is it, 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 beyond me. Because when I was a student, this is how we were taught. Mm-hmm. That was the frame and the lens, right? It wasn't about, you know, because we didn't have this kind of morality high horse that's going on right now. We didn't have this whole, you know, better than or, you know, holier than thou kind of perspective. So there was no, you know, we gave people the space to have different values and morals and still be considered good human beings. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a key point right there. What you're saying is the space to have different values and morals and still be good human beings. Like who gets to decide what, right. What political party you belong to in order to be a good person or what, what, you know, subset of, of views around certain social relationships or phenomenon, you know, it's just, it's, it's really interesting that we're in this phase where counseling Mm -hmm. stresses activism and advocacy for, you know, specific groups over relationship, over the quality of of relationships in one's life. And even as a young person, you know, my, you know, my, my mom and her siblings and that, so my maternal side, they're, you know, you know, they got all their dysfunctions and quirks and whatnot. But I mean, I have these memories of childhood where they would just argue at these at holiday parties and scream and shout and get in heated debates about politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of my family was Republican with a mm-hmm. handful of Democrats because a lot of Middle Eastern families that come here, they're very, you know, a lot of them want to start businesses and they want to be left alone. They just mm-hmm. align more with kind of what the Republican value set tends to be. And mm-hmm. they're about family and about y'all live next to each other and mm-hmm. let's, you know, have our business and we don't want to be controlled. We've come from regimes that are controlling. So, you, you know, that's always, you know, I grew up in a house where, you know, my mom was Republican. My dad wasn't, I mean, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. not, you know, abnormal mm-hmm. that, you know, you're Middle Eastern and Republican. Actually, my dad was in the, in the not norm, but mm-hmm. anyhow, among all these sisters and brothers, of my mother. I mean, I, I just, you know, they would scream and shout, you know, there'd be like the two or three kind of the tour tour. It would be the two or three liberal ones mm-hmm. <laughs> that would scream and shout, but they all ended up doing that. And then mm-hmm. they'd just be like, okay, so, you know, all right, everybody let's, you know, let's make some coffee and, and, and pull out the cake. 
you know, it was nothing. It didn't. So they were able to have their conflict and then also set it aside and have their connection. Yeah. They -hmm. could set aside and have their connection without cutting each other off or without it being like this, you know, impossible Mm -hmm. experience. And the problem I think too, is like, you know, the more that this divide grows, it's worsening. I mean, just again, what I said earlier about the potential to become a tyrant in an effort to stop tyrants, it's pushing more people toward that direction. I've seen myself have a harder time mm-hmm. you know, having relationships with people who have different viewpoints because I so abhor the grip that this has had on mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And I just want to shake people awake and say, wake up, you know, So I've even felt it, you know, in my own life. And so it's, Mm -hmm. and that's not how I grew up. Like I said, they'd scream and shout at each other at these things and it was fine. Mm -hmm. No one stopped talking. No one cared. They all, you know, still, they had dysfunction in other ways, you know, Mm -hmm. but when it came to that, it just didn't matter. So, so, you know, to, to, to attach the value of a person based on those beliefs or their political beliefs, and Mm -hmm. then we're attaching we're qualifying that as good, bad based on, and, and, and if you don't think that way and you're out of that scope, you know, then you're, then you're bad. And, and, and because the consequence is so great at this time in our life, it's the consequences are like astronomical. Look at the consequences, even from COVID. I mean, the breaking up of families and relation, all mm-hmm. of this kind of mm-hmm. stuff, they're so huge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you're seeing that people aren't, getting past an impasse and, and agree to disagree where that's been yeah. thrown out the window almost in a lot it's of It's like a brittleness to relationships. Yes. yes. Yeah. And the more that happens, the more than that, you know, the people that are on the other side of the, the court mm-hmm. or, or even people who are rational common sense. And I consider myself to be mostly rational for the most mm-hmm. part, <laughs> tend to feel that then I want to push more to the right because mm. I'm combating what's happening over here. That's right. so extreme. Right. So that's where you start to get in you my view. What I've seen, yes. And yeah. what I've seen in other people mm-hmm. become so much more invested with your heels in to the point of not wanting to budge in mm-hmm. your thinking on the other side of it. Yeah. It's so that's interesting. Dangerous. It's like you just, it's, it's a polarizing force. Yes. Yeah. Socially. And I, this is embarrassing to admit. I, a few years ago, I I remember being at a dinner with some people I worked with. And at the time I had always voted Democrat. I considered myself a Democrat. I had, you know, lots of, I'd I'd done campaigning and caucusing and volunteering. I always considered myself to be a Democrat. And I, I made the joke. um, Republicans think Democrats have bad ideas, but Democrats think Republicans are bad people. And I, and I made that joke and I think I followed it with because they are. Yes. Because that was, that was how, and it's really embarrassing to say that I was that dug in, but I really had this very, I had, I had a worldview where, oh, the Republicans, the conservatives, they're selfish and they don't want, you know, it's this basic thing. Like they don't want poor people to have an opportunity or they don't want blah, blah, blah. And so, I mean, I don't, obviously I do not hold those views at this point. I've had the, um, the veil has been lifted. I really see a lot of the political stuff that we have that as just as a lot of theater, really, I see it both kind of both parties are two wings of the same bird to me at this point. And I don't buy into that, but at the time I was really under that thrall and that was how I 
that's what I believed. And so when you're talking and who was I listening to just the other day, I, it was this great conversation. I, and I'm, I wish I could think of who it was so I could give them credit for it because it was really interesting. It must've been a podcast I was listening to, but um, they were talking about how um, um, liberals have more moral disgust. Mm. Maybe this was on, maybe it was somebody Benjamin Boyce was talking with. I think so. He was talking about liberals having more moral disgust. And so having um, someone disagree with you morally is more abhorrent to you. And it made so much sense to me in the context of my own experiences and my own evolving worldview. And it makes sense in terms of social justice and the, and the absolute rejection of people who disagree with your worldview. Yes. Yes. This is where that word indoctrination, right? I, I because I I believe that that started for me, or I mean early. I I don't, I don't think. I mean I you know it's it's I I don't think this is all that. No, I know this is not new. It's just mm-hmm. that maybe the depth of the damage is being coming to the surface now. But that that kind of indoctrination, like where did you like? Do you remember where you learned that? Because I learned that too. That mm. like you know you know, if you're a Republican, you're just a bad person. I mean, I, mm. I never saw my mother that way, but I, you know, would just split that away from her back in the day, you know, so compartmentalize, but I, mm. I it's, it's, I don't remember where I learned it, but I know mm. I did. And I grew up in California in the Bay area. Where, where was that first injected? And I'm wondering if you have a sense of when you first learned that Republicans were bad people. That is a really good question. I, well, I grew up in Texas and I I grew up, yeah, I'm from San Antonio. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I, so I grew up in, uh, South central Texas, um, pretty poor area, pretty, uh, it's a very, it's kind of a, I guess it's a blue Mm -hmm. city in a red state, or maybe it's kind of a purple, (laughs) Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I, my mom was Republican. My dad was Democrat also like your family. And, um, I don't know where I would have first really heard, heard that I, well, I, I, when I was in college, I volunteered for a couple of environmental groups, but the, and I still think of them as those were really good experiences and they were really important groups because San Antonio's water system is fed mm-hmm. by a karst aquifer, a limestone aquifer. And we were always dealing with people wanting to build over the aquifer recharge oh, zone, which is this terrible pollutant to, yeah. the, to the yep. drinking water. And so yep. these groups were trying to prevent that. And so it was like basically aquifer protection groups. Mm-hmm. And so I was working with these groups and um, the developers in the city, the people who didn't care at all about the environmental protections tended to be the Republicans and the environmentalists tended to be the Democrats. So that was really formative for me. And I think another formative aspect of this was George W. Bush and the reaction to 9-11 and this like reflexive, let's go after, let's go bomb Afghanistan, which seemed so crazy to me. So I think this was kind of when I sort of developed this concept of the Republicans as these greedy, um, yes, sort of war hungry, um, resource, uh, grabbing, um, uh, uncaring 
in it for myself kind of, yeah, I just pictured Dick Cheney and Halliburton and just, you know, Donald Rumsfeld, all these, these characters that were, I think that's probably where I developed that. Now that I think about it, I would have, I would say it was that time. So you were probably in your early twenties. Yeah. I was mid, my my mid twenties. Yes. Yeah. Really formative years, right. For kind of ideas and ideas that you let me see that kind of off topic. What did you think of the Clinton and Lewinsky scandal? Oh, that's a good question. I, and I'm throwing it out there because, you know, I, I, it kind of crushed, I think some people, at least this came up in some of the mm-hmm. family discussions, the idea mm-hmm. that Democrat presidents or Democrats in general, whatever, are just more morally, um, you know, intact, so to speak. So I'm curious if, if you had any thoughts back then about that situation, Mm. I, I think you get leeway for it. You know, I think I was kind of, I, I think I kind of tended to turn a bit of a blind eye to it. And I think, you know, I thought he was a bit sleazy there were all the, yeah. uh, the different women yeah. whose names were coming up yeah. and he seemed like a bit of a cad. Yeah. My ex-husband, um, he was like the, he thought the Clintons were terrible. His family mm-hmm. was, was Republican and mm-hmm. he had mm-hmm. read some book about the Clintons and how they had, you know, they they had this crime family and whatever. Yes. And so that was his perspective. I tended to, I guess I was kind of Machiavellian about it because I thought yeah. the Republicans were the bad guys. And so it was like, well, he's our guy, you know, <laughs> he may not be perfect, but he's our guy. Yeah. And so yeah. that was kind of my, I, you know, it's kind of an embarrassing thing to admit, but I kind of turned a blind eye to some things. Ultimately also, I think there's the question of like, when somebody's your representative, do you care more? Do you care more about their, their personal affairs? And I don't mean affairs as in infidelities. I mean, yes. their personal life. Yes. Or do you care more about their policy? And now I don't know enough. I was really young and I wasn't that checked oh, into yeah. it. So I don't know enough about whether I would approve of, of all right. these policy decisions. But I think, um, I don't I don't know. I think it was not on my radar enough yeah. for me to develop a strong like stance on what I thought about it. How, what about yourself? Yeah, cause I, you know, I mean, I went to Catholic school and Catholic Mm -hmm. high school, my Catholic school, though, high school was not very, it wasn't conservative. It wasn't conservative really Uh almost at all. I mean, we had gay, it was gay and lesbian at the time, um, Uh maybe bisexual LGB. I think we didn't have the Q yet. We didn't have questioning yet, but Uh it was, uh, so it was fine. You know, they had a club on campus. They went to the prom together, um, gay students, lesbian students, Uh nobody, they weren't bullied. They weren't pretty progressive for a Catholic school in the nineties. Right. Yes, in the nineties, yeah. right? I graduated in ninety-seven. So yes, mm-hmm. so huge, hugely progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the, like the homophobia stuff or the gay marriage stuff, I mm-hmm. was never kind of moved by because I mm-hmm. thought, well, we didn't treat them any different, and we didn't like not grant. I don't know. I just we didn't. Okay, that whole color blindness. Okay, like mm-hmm. applied to you know sexual mm-hmm. orientation blindness. I don't mm-hmm. know what the word would be. So I don't. Wasn't a know. point of controversy for you at that. No. Point. And yeah. it wasn't really for almost anyone, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, and, and so I think though, the leaning at the time was that, um, 
you know, Democrats were more accepting of that and, and mm-hmm. pro-human and, mm-hmm. and they, you know, assured that those people would have rights and they assured women's rights and they assured, mm-hmm. um, you know, policies to take care of you if something bad happens and the Republicans are the rich people party. I mean, they're the mm-hmm. ones that want to take you know, all of your money and, and, you know, they don't, they, they pay less taxes. And I didn't understand either. I mean, the, the correlation between, you know, taxes on businesses and how that impacts jobs and mm-hmm. job availability and why, you know, one company might move to another state and, you know, because of the tax situation and how that could be positive and negative, depending on what side of the football, you know, depending on what part of, and these are all complicated things for somebody. I think that's younger. I almost, kind of feel like they don't teach you on purpose. You just sort of remain, you know, dying, not dumb, but on surface level. Like you just understand on a very shallow, like this party is populist and this party is elitist and that's all you need to know. That's all. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I always believe, you know, I always had some conspiracy kind of theory in me. I I don't, Mm -hmm. I never trusted the government really anyway, though. So I think I was Mm -hmm. always really conflicted too, Mm -hmm. but I thought the better deal was with the Democrats. So Mm -hmm. I believed that, you know, um, you know, they, they were going to eventually be able to listen to us in our private homes. They can do that now. Mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, eventually, you know, the whole goal was to like globalize and take over. And, you know, there's all this, you know, bad dealings with the Rothschild families and the Rockefellers. I believed all of that when I was young mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, I also was, thinking that the, again, the Democrats assured, you know, that, that the gays and lesbians and the whomevers would all have their rights respected. So Mm -hmm. that it it was, it was kind of conflicting because I didn't really trust their politics though, either, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I, Mm -hmm. I, because I believed at the end of the day that government in general was out to get us. I actually had very little um, trust, you, you know, just as a young person and believed that there was a world order that they were trying to mm. you know get to and that eventually we're gonna have chips in our bodies yeah. and ai and you're gonna be able to pay without using cash and mm-hmm. they're gonna track where your money goes i believed all that and now they can do it all i mean it's insane but this is stuff that i thought when i was 16 right wow so you were kind of you were aware of those things from I was. early on. I it was. sounds like you had you had a broad strokes acceptance of this one, like like one yes. party has this has your best interests at heart. Might as well throw yourself in with them. And then you yes. had some areas of general cognitive dissonance, but maybe you were able to blur your eyes and just go sure. with this one yeah. party for the most part. That's how I felt. And okay. and my sister as well, which is why my sister has never registered for anything other than independent. She's been an independent her whole life from mm-hmm. the age of 18. So there's a heavy influence probably, I think, um, that she had on me, you know, she's older and, and whatnot. So I think that's mm-hmm. part of it mm-hmm. because I also had a real strong belief in, you know, hands-off government that they Mm -hmm. didn't belong in my business again Mm -hmm. I thought they were gonna be spying on me so I didn't you know want that and I I I I thought that um you know uh Republicans tended to focus less on big government they were more decentralized in their approaches I mean I think that's how I so yeah it's it's sort of what I mean it's exactly what you said it's just there's kind of this one piece so then I just kind of went there and it wasn't fully adopted but it was 
it made sense because on the other side of it though i also thought gee they want control over us by you know taking all of our money and they want to you yeah. know, control what we do we need to fight back and rise up i mean i i was a little you know kind of out there for my yeah. age and at that time not i mean today people say this stuff but yeah but it was kind of different for somebody to be saying it then yeah it was pretty yeah. forward thinking but so it sounds like you you did have a sense of an overall mm, i guess like an an overlayer of corruption over the whole thing or oh yeah or, or something like that and so and i didn't want i didn't believe i, I did not care about a president's personal life either mm -hmm, by the way mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. to me I didn't care if the person was a good person a bad person all I cared about was that that person cared about America enough mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to make sure the citizens here were taken care of and I didn't care beyond that do you so, believe that now and do you believe that the president has any power anymore or what, what are your thoughts about this now at this point with the um the two-party system and well I don't I mean, the checks and balances, I mean, if I'm going to get really controversial here, I don't think uh, the checks and balances system that we learned about is great in theory, but this is not how it's being applied today. Uh, there's, 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 it is a one part in my viewpoint at this time, it is a one party, you know, kind of ownership mm -hmm. because I believe that the corruption is actually in both. And so because of that, they're kind of all the same. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a few maybe who aren't, um, but in general, I remember even in the eighties, I mean, some jobs that were being shipped away, shipped off. My parents were engineers. So they were kind of worried about if that would happen, you know, out of the country. I remember looking, my friends and I would go and we'd check the tags. And if it was like made in China, we didn't want to buy it because we knew they had sweatshops there. And you know, we didn't want to support the like communism, you know, you know, dictatorship and whatever. So we only want to buy American. I mean, so there's this the, the, all those patriot kind of values and, but you know, it was just too expensive. So we're like, eh, it's made in America. It's too expensive though. We're kids. Eh. You know, I really want that pair of jeans though. So I'm going to go ahead and get it. I mean, you know, you're only socially responsible to an extent at that age, but, um, so I think that that's something I sort of saw kind of coming uh, from, a long time ago, I, you know, so I, I don't, I don't believe to me, it's, it, it's, you're this, we're in a situation where it's, you're sort of pro America or you're kind of pro globalist, you know, I mean, it's kind of, for me, the Republican Democrat thing has lost all meaning and value. I just kind of feel like you're pro, pro America, pro human ish, <laughs> and then, or you're pro global. And I would way rather have somebody who has not a moral inkling in their body, but cares enough about the country or, you know, cares enough about their own reputation on how to lead and make good decisions that, 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 that would step up more so than I do about their moral character. And I wouldn't have said that a few years ago, but moral character does not do anything for me personally or any of my communities or families. I mean, it's, it's, it, it just doesn't, um, yeah, it's really interesting. I you think know, it's it's such a big topic, and I think um, I I have never been. I'm sorry about the noise, by the way. There's yeah, no problem. Landscaping. They do this at all weird hours. Weird times. Like, I can yeah, never no predict problem. when they're going to come by. Mm. Um, so if anybody's hearing that buzz in the background, that's my <laughs> fault. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly no political science expert. I just know my own trajectory. And I know that when I started to hear 
um, a few years ago about the walkaway movement. Oh, yeah. Party. Uh, yes. That resonated with me. I ran in like, Straka, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love him. He's, yeah. He's an interesting guy. He's very cool. Yeah. I don't know enough about him. I just, I just remember this like came on my radar and I thought, wow, awesome. I, I really, um, I can relate to this. It's somehow yes. this there enough happened. They pushed the needle too far. Yes. And people started falling right out of the democratic party. They pushed yes. too far left and they yes. lost a bunch of us. Yes. And I, I felt myself fall into the into the center yes which is where I still find myself I'm not um yeah I'm not buying what I'm seeing on especially yes. the left right now and I'm resonating more with the right but not yeah not, not so much that I want to put up a new uh allegiance you know I'm not I, I'm not no I won't yeah yeah I, I well, yeah interesting. I, I'm a I when I quit Antioch actually I changed my voter registration to independent did you uh, yeah, it was sort of a symbol. It doesn't matter really in the grander scheme, but it was a symbolic thing for me. But that's yeah. when I decided to just, I dumped, but I mean, I never registered as Republican, but I, I dumped them both. And so yeah. that's where I got to this. You're either pro like humanity and humans, or you're pro this crazy global kind of takedown. I mean, whatever it is, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. kind of where my mind went. And I, mm -hmm. I, you know, it, 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 it's very difficult as therapists to put out your actual views for fear of being labeled a number of things, you know, right. because this profession obviously can be very judgy, but mm -hmm. you know, look, I don't care. You know, I mean, this is how, it's right. what I think. I mean, at the end right. of the day, you know, some of the things that happened during, you know, Obama's time um, directly, you know, impacted me very negatively, the healthcare um, mm -hmm. situation. I've mm -hmm. had multiple surgeries and stuff and I ended up bank almost being bankrupt oh my god financially over 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 that insurance and things changed with the new so it's like mm -hmm. great there's some help here for this group but over here there isn't and yeah so I didn't I didn't I didn't care for that I mean I think it mm -hmm. was sort of when I started to say let me look at what's underneath the policy mm -hmm. and who it benefits and why mm -hmm. you know they had this one proposition in California I can't remember but the National Organization for Women now I don't mm -hmm. I think they're still around had said vote no but the proposition looked like it was um oh you know just if you know raise your taxes by you know whatever a dollar or something small in order to put it toward this one great cause mm -hmm. and i kind of went why is the why is now the national organization was saying no like this is mm -hmm. directly impacting women in a positive way and i looked and looked and i found that money had already been earmarked for that Oh. And it's already been earmarked for that for a long period of time. So where did the money go? Wow. Why were they asking to raise the tax? Where is this going to be appropriated? This is going to be misappropriated. Something. Who's getting this money? That was when the light bulb really went off in my head. And I said, no way. You have to read between the lines. Right. And you have to read very deeply to understand. It was, and I learned this on my own mm -hmm. just because I just was curious. I wanted to know why. I want to know who supported it and who didn't and why. And I went, mm -hmm. oh my God, this is what keeps happening, right? Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of multiple points in my life where those aha moments. But the problem though, I think overall was to be seeped into an environment like Antioch as a teacher. If I go back mm -hmm. to kind of where mm -hmm. we started, mm -hmm. all of my independent ability to see outside of this box, mm -hmm. you know, that Antioch wants to stick everybody in or the S yeah. it's critical social justice, let's say 
yeah. does not allow enough time, uh, space, energy for me mm-hmm. to open the box wider or look outside of it. And I mm-hmm. think that's where it becomes dangerous to say, well, I'll just still believe what I believe, but I'll go and do the work the way that they want me to do it mm-hmm. and then come home at night and be a different person or believe something differently just to get through. I yeah. can do it. Yeah. It, it, it was impacting me to where I was starting to change my mind and I, on things. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait, wait, let me take a minute here and let me go back and look. Wow. And it's so much pressure too. And I, I mean, there was the, you know, this is great that you brought it there because that does bring it full circle. And the, you know, my experience at Antioch was not only is it the critical social justice lens, which could be viewed as a far left progressive lens, but also there was direct communication relentlessly on how we were supposed to be voting Yes, and our political yes. affiliations that we were supposed to be supporting. It was just and, so sickening. Oh yeah, and it's just it doesn't leave you room to critically think for yourself and decide. No. Well, on this issue, I'm going to fall over here. On this issue, I'm going to go over here. Maybe I just completely disagree with you. Whatever it is, there's no room for that because we were told directly how we were supposed to act. That's exactly right, and you know what? It's so true because I think that, you know, I I would. I, you know, voting would come up and I'd say, okay, well, what, what do the Democrats say? Cause they're the mm-hmm. good people. And I would just vote whatever they said and not look mm-hmm. and read just because mm-hmm. my sister mm-hmm. wasn't like that. You know, she yeah. was like, read it. Yeah, no. Yeah. She, yeah. She was an independent. So she didn't claim she would, she vote. She's a policy voter, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. again, some of that rubbed off on me, I think, but it, it, but I used to do that. I used to just say, well, what are they all saying? Cause then yeah. I'm going to just like I didn't vote for the homelessness, the increase in tax for homelessness. And the reason I didn't do it is I worked with the homeless, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. bill. Okay. And I don't know if we want to be this political here, but the bill was to build more housing for mm-hmm. homeless, but it did not include providing mental health and the things that they needed in order to keep them housed. I worked right. with the homeless, right. They fell out of housing in and out all the time. Right. 95% of the homeless people in Santa Monica have been housed at least once or twice minimum by the government. The reason they don't stay in housing is because they drop them there and they don't treat the problem. Right. It doesn't that, sound like it's as clear cut as just it, it need is more houses. Yeah. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. They're, it, they mostly have. And I was on the streets trying to house people that mm-hmm. I had a street team in a van and we went and approached every single homeless person we could find in our area mm-hmm. to, to offer them housing. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you learn an enormous amount about the problem mm-hmm. and about why they're there mm-hmm. and about why they're not housed. And I mean, it's definitely not time to go into that here, but there's no, it's so- a really interesting topic. But yeah. Yes. And so I said no. And it was mm-hmm. not because I don't want to support them, it's because it's not the answer. Yeah. And the answer is they're not treating the problem. And the problem is probably back when Reagan closed all the mental, mental, you know, institutions and nothing else came to take its place Mm. to help these people with mental health and, or substance use. I mean, it's a majority of them. So Mm -hmm. the money's not appropriate in the right place, Mm -hmm. but I'm a bad person if I, well, and I've publicly said it now, so who knows, but, um, I would have been a bad person to say that publicly in front of a lot of people, you don't want to support housing. It's because we don't have enough housing. Uh, no, it's complicated. It's right, not just right. that. That might be part yeah. of it. It's not the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, for another day, why do I know that? I know that because I worked yeah. in with the population and I, w- we were a contractor for the city and the county. So I saw the money piece 
and how that was being handled and what the goals were and why with all of that information, my entire viewpoint on how to handle the situation and give these people treatment and housing changed. So I voted no. Yeah. Well, it's, it's such a good example of how it's just, and this kind of ties back in even to that example of the father rejecting his child. Yes. It's gay kid. It's more complicated than, you know, and so to make a decision about somebody, whether somebody's good or evil because of their take on a particular thing, you might be leaving out understanding why they think the way that they do what that means. And you could still disagree with them at the end of the day. You can still disagree. Yes. Maybe they're not a bad person because they think what they think. Yes, exactly. And maybe we just need to ask why. And I think that's what made Daryl Davis so attractive and Mm -hmm. and fair kind of modeled the organization after him is Mm -hmm. because, you know, he's a black man who came out and said, before I judge you, I want to understand why and how you think the way that you do. Yeah. How did you come to those beliefs? And we stopped doing that. So that's a huge problem. Yeah. It's, it's really, yeah. And I feel like there's so much more to say about it, but this has been a really good discussion. (laughs) Yes. Kind of veered from, from school professional training to politics and back and yeah. But I always enjoy talking with you, Christine. I do too. Thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, until next time. Absolutely. Sounds good.